Welcome to Nurse Practitioners Changing Practice. I'm Dr. Carol Berger. Hi, I'm Dr. Nina Zimmerman. We are so blessed to have Margaret with us again. Margaret Bench, you are just a dynamite person yes. and you are working so hard for nurse practitioners. Yes. yes. Thanks, it's really Margaret, nice for- to be here with you guys. Great. Thanks for being back with us, Margaret. We really appreciate it. You um, are so involved with our legislature. So what we are so excited to hear about is, you know, we have to have you on every year to give us a legislative update. What's going on in Missouri? What are the bills that are going through? Um, you know, what what's the, the scoop? We've certainly had a lot of changes with COVID. Yes, um, we actually had a lot of changes with COVID because we're such a restricted state that we had a lot of waivers go in more so than any other state because everybody else has so much more practice authority than we had. And full practice authority states didn't have to make any changes, but we did. So we are trying to make those waivers permanent because they abruptly ended December 31st without warning. Um, So yeah, that's part of where we are. So what are some of the waivers? Tell us what waivers Missouri had to go through. Okay, the waivers that we had were that we didn't have to have 10% of our charts reviewed. We didn't have to work with our collaborating physician for the one month time frame before we signed an agreement with them because they wanted to mobilize people quicker. We had the ability for everybody to do telehealth and originally and what our statutes are in Missouri is that you can only do telehealth if you're in rural and you're calling from a federally funded clinic or a medically medical home in rural Missouri. So people in uh, urban areas that aren't in federally funded clinics weren't, were really not able to do telehealth once March, uh, which once December 31st came around. So December, um, before December 31st, during our COVID time, telehealth was like everywhere and we could do it, right? Because yes. of COVID. But abruptly on December 31st, all of those those things that were in place that were safe for NPs to do. Um, no longer did they need the charts all reviewed. No longer did they need a 30 day, uh, you know, uh, pre-author before they could be on their own with their collaborator kind of thing. And they could do telehealth all over because we were safe to do all of that yeah. prior to December 31st, 2021, but abruptly ends on December th- because now we need more supervision, right? Right. And, and the other thing was geographic proximity, which is in statute was eliminated. And so we didn't have to stay within our 75 mile radius of our physicians. And so all of those things we were told by the governor up to one week before he was going to extend. And then at the last minute, without notifying anybody, he called the board of nursing and the board of healing arts an hour before he announced that tomorrow I'm ending the, the waivers. And everybody was floored because he had been telling everybody all along they would be extended. And this is Governor Parsons, right? Yes. And this is when numbers were still really high at that point. Mm -hmm. Do you have any insight of why you think that was, that that was reverted back? I don't know, but there was no talking to him about it. And with that state of the emergency ending, and he ended all our waivers, in addition to that, it ended the ability for hospitals to have pop-up areas or to convert a different area of the hospital. It, uh, it made it so that you couldn't put like a testing center on the parking lot. Remember how they were kind of trying yes, to test Yes, that all hospital? stopped. That all stopped because the state of emergency ended. 
And at the time, everybody, I mean, everybody band together, everybody wrote letters, the hospital association, the physicians, everybody said, extend all these waivers, extend the state of emergency. And he said, no, he just wasn't going to do that. I think part of it was federally influenced because it was all the Republican governors that did that. Um, But who knows? That's a, he just so told us no, and it was not negotiable. So I, I'm I'm kind of I, I have it, but I don't completely understand. Prior to these waivers ending, we were safe to do all of the things they were asked yes. us to do. Afterwards, yeah. we're not safe, uh, I guess, because um, they want to reimply the uh, the restrictions, which are supposed to make it safer for patient care, right? With physician right. oversight. Well, and, and the physicians no argued that we're not they just safe. denied it, right? Right. Yes. And and some of that um, was that the physicians do not want they from the beginning, they were not consulted when those waivers went in place. They wanted those waivers back in place because they truly feel that we are not safe and cannot do those things. Now, well, a lot of the nurses when they needed us to. Mm-hmm. Well, and ha- what happened was a lot of nurse practitioners were laid off during COVID, remember? Right. And so a lot of them opened in rural Missouri, especially a lot of them opened their own practices and they had to go farther than 75 miles to find a collaborating physician because of restraint of trade and because of specialty and things like that. So they opened these practices and were providing their specialty care and um, mobile vans picked up and they started doing mobile vans and they were farther than 75 miles away. So a lot of people went and testified and said, you know, you abruptly ended this. Now there's a huge population that doesn't have health care. And, um, and that, was, that was a problem and that was very influential, but we are still trying to get this legislation through. So, so we, I mean, where are we at in Missouri? Are we right. ever going to see Missouri come up with the uh, other states like that are all around us? Not, uh, not anytime soon, but we did put forward legislation and it's HB 2371. Um, that's home health, but I'll get back to that one. Let me go back to um, the ones with the waivers. So Representative Greyer, who is very much about Uh, People need to have the ability to do what they're trained to do and to meet the needs of the people. So he sponsored HB 2434, and it was to get rid of all those waivers that we removed to move them back in and make them permanent and take those barriers away. And we weren't asking for any additional barriers. We weren't asking for the signs to be removed or anything like that or prescriptive authority. We're just asking for those four waivers. We had in the House is very functional and they're moving things along and moving things through very quick. So we had a hearing in the house um, and our hearing in the house on those four things was on, I think it was like um, February, February 16th. Actually it went for two weeks. So it was February 9th and February 16th. And we had tons of support. I mean, tons of support. Uh, Rural Health came and testified. The Extension came and testified. Home Health, AARP, Americans for Prosperities came and testified. Department of Health and Senior Services, BJC, Mercy, Cox, Luke's, SSM, Mizzou, uh, Behavioral Health, Nursing Homes, uh, Primary Care Associates, um, Missouri Home Health Association, um, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Amazon, uh, tons of people. All of us have to bring these four waivers 
Yes, for yeah. these four waivers. And so we had all that. And the only people that testified against us were the DOs and the MDs. Um, so we had some really good hearings. Um, they said the same thing over one, one of the per people that testified, just started giving a litany of what she didn't like about nurse practitioners. And the sponsor said, have you read this bill? Because nothing that you're talking about is in here. Um, and, the, and she said, no, but I read the title. So anyway, we had a very good hearing. It got out of that committee 13 to one with the only person voting against it was the physician on the committee. And um, it went to legislative oversight. Legislative oversight heard it on 3-3 and they voted it out with a 9-0 pass. So it is headed back to the floor. However, an amendment was added on <sighs> and to move it forward without being blocked we um, our legislator representative Breyer, who has been amazing. He understands what we want. He understands the problems. He understands why it's important. And so he's been really great. But what is left in the bill is the geographic proximity is still there. That would still go away. And telehealth fix would be in place so that everybody can do telehealth. So we would be able to do the telehealth, but we would not be able to be beyond 75 miles. That didn't. No, we'll still be able. It would take a, still in the bill is the mileage removal. Okay. And the telehealth. So those two are okay, in. So those are the two main things. I mean, if they want to review 10% of our charts, that's fine. And well, they, the month time they don't do it. Yeah. The month with the collaborating physician before you can be on your own is, is tough too, but. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if if you need to, you need to. I mean, but the main yeah. thing would be at least we can can move a little bit easier. And mm -hmm. and the month, the funny thing with the month, it's so crazy because it doesn't specify how much time you have to no, spend. So you can spend five minutes with us one month. Days. So we very yeah. specifically fight for that every year because they always want to say thirty days, and we always say no, it's one month, and you can't change it. And so we, we fight very hard to keep that verbiage in because if it would ever go to 30 days, then that would be a problem. But as one month, it's vague. It could be the first and last day. It could be one day every right. week. Yeah, I mean, um, and they don't want you to be with them for 30 days. Actually, they testified that they thought that that wasn't enough to know if we were safe. And so the legislator said, oh, are you saying this should be two months, three months. And they said, no, we'd lose so much money by having them just work with us for that long. Yeah. And so then he was like, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Um, so and they it, don't it, really, well, I mean, my experience has been, they really don't want you right by them side, their side to be able, but I mean, there is something to be said about the 10% chart review because they're paid for that. I do believe. They are, they're paid very well in rural Missouri. It, not so much here in um, urban areas like St. Louis and Kansas City, it's it's not so much in the metropolitan areas because they're all over the place. But in rural, those those guys, when they open up a practice and they have to pay a physician to come in and do chart review, they're paying them a lot of money. So and, that, um, that's a motivator too. I mean, that's hitting them in their pocketbook and they probably don't want to let that go. Yeah, yeah. So, that's where that one is. What, Nina, were you going to say something? Yeah, I just would like to know your opinion on, and I've asked you this before. So the uh, the MDs and the DOs that constantly, you know, block us. I mean, do you feel like that culture is changing uh, with younger DOs and MDs? Or how do you think that's going in Missouri? No, you know, it's interesting because I think it's some of the oldest ones that are the more accepting the younger ones coming out of medical school seem to be really adamant about 
upholding this um, and and carrying this torch um, from Missouri. This is just from Missouri. But in general, the medical association, um, the AMA, is pushing to pull and rein back in nurse practitioners across the country. Yeah. And so Missouri just happens to have a stronghold because we have so many uh, legislators that are physicians. We have Dr. Ander uh-huh. in the Senate. We yeah. have um, Dr. Patterson in the House, and he's actually really good. He's really good to talk with. He's a general surgeon from St. Joe, Missouri. Um, but um, um, Senator White, his wife is a neurosurgeon. There's a psych mental health person that's on the committee in the house, um, uh, Representative Thompson. Um, Jeannie Riddle's son is a doctor. A lot of people have doctors. We need to get some nurse practitioners on this committee. We have one nurse in the house right now, and it's Patty Lewis. And she originally sponsored this very bill, and she's a Democrat, so it would have never gotten heard with her. And so it is, this is a bipartisan with Representative Greyer and Patty Lewis. And Patty's been a champ for us. She speaks up at these committees. She explains things. She ropes things back in. And she's been really super. And Moni actually gave her an award for her advocacy on the behalf of nurses last year. So um, she's been really good. And so Right now, we need to be telling all of our local House of Representatives people to vote for this. And, and what's, to the, what's those things the number back of in. this bill? What is it called? This one is 2434 in the House. Okay, 2434. We need everybody to tell their representatives to vote for this bill so we can get back some of the restrictions yeah. that were uh, placed uh, from, you know, the COVID, uh, right. COVID era. And there is no match to this bill in the Senate. We did not have a rep, we did not have anybody to represent or file this for us in the Senate. So this will do the normal process with crossing and over chambers once it's voted on. And Senator Burleson says he will pick it up and carry it and perhaps even add his licensure bill onto it to move it forward. Um, and that in that case, if it goes through with different words on it, then it would have to go to conference. And in conference, they have to make sure that the words on the bill in the House and the words in the bill in the Senate match. And then that's when it would be revoted in both the House and the Senate and then go. Um, but re- realize last year we made it all the way to the floor of the Senate and then it was filibustered by uh, Senator Under. Yes. So, so hopefully um, this is his, he turns out after this year. Um, and so, and he's not been making many friends this year because the Senate in general has not been really functional. They are still arguing over congressional maps and the state budget, and they've really not heard many bills. And so as quickly as the House is clearing their bills and getting through them and hearing them, they're working like one of the bills I'm going to talk about was heard until nine o'clock at night, two weeks in a row. And they're working really hard to clear things, but the Senate has not heard much of anything yet. And so it's, uh, it, you know, it might be a year when things get bogged up because the Senate has been so dysfunctional. We're halfway through, they're on spring break this week, and hopefully they'll come back and start working because right now they've just been arguing. Um, there was Bibgate and all kinds of other things where they just quit working and walked away. Um, there was also bad weather that shut people down for um, a couple of weeks in a row. So, so we really don't have a whole lot of this year left, right? Before their session ends the second week of May. And it's, it is, it has to end that day because it is in statute that it has to end on that day. 
Um, so yeah, so there's what else not is going on. We've got the one that may okay, so not be heard. That's that one. The other one that's important is that with the CARES Act that passed, I don't know if you remember, but um, the Trump administration had put through an executive order that allowed nurse practitioners to do home health ordering. And that went through with the CARES Act. They merged that into there. So when the CARES Act came out, everybody thought it was taxes and money and distribution and all that. There was a part from CMS in there that allowed nurse practitioners to permanently order home health. And so all states, except four, adopted that. But our state specifically said in statute that only physicians can order home health in Missouri. So even though that was federal statute, because our, our state specifically had it in statute, then um, we have to go and get a word change. We have to get statute changed. So we filed last year. It was a six word change. It went nowhere. And so we refiled exactly the same thing again. And this year it's moving. It's moved through the house and it's cleared that very same committee this one went through on um, February 14th with a 13 to 0. So nobody voted against it. It was voted due pass. It went to legislative oversight, passed 9-0. It's also headed back to the floor for a floor vote. And then it will cross over. The thing that's different about this, well, actually this one, almost nursing didn't get to testify on this because all of our support organizations, one after another, the Department of Health and Senior Services had collected data on how many hospitalizations and increased complications were avoided because nurse practitioners specifically had ordered home health and kept people out of the hospital during COVID time when there was wow. no room in the hospital. So they had collected data and all kinds of people had collected data on it. So they all testified and we almost didn't even get a chance to testify on this, but it went through very easily. Initially last year, our hangup was is that the physician said, we don't have any training to order home health. Uh, they tried to add an amendment onto this before the vote, but they told them they didn't get it in in time. It had to be 24 hours ahead of time. They wanted it clarified that six months after the person got home health, they should see and review the chart. We told them they could put that in in any collaborative practice agreement. You can put anything in you want, um, but uh, it didn't get accepted. So it passed through cleanly. Now we have this running simultaneously in the House. This time it's SB 83, again with Senator Justin Brown carrying it. It went through the families. This is one of the bills that was heard. And it went through seniors, families, veterans, and military affairs committee. And it went through on 3-9 and was passed due pass with a six to nothing vote. So it passed through easily. However, before it passed, it had an amendment to put that uh, review within the CPA agreement and clarified what that meant. Now that means these two bills are coming through and they're both passing, passing through to vote on the floors of their respective chambers. And because the words don't match, they're gonna to have to go to conference. And then it's possible that we can get that back out again. But what this would mean is that not just physicians could order home health, it would be podiatrists, it would be NPs, it would be clinical nurse specialists, and it would be PAs because that matches the federal legislation and the CARES Act. Yeah. One of the things this we heard in- sense. Yeah, one of the things we heard in testimony was they said, how come APs aren't in? Well, APs aren't recognized federally. And so it's not in the federal legislation. And so it was not in this. And they accepted that and left them out. 
So APs would still not be able to order. APs meaning? Assistant physicians. Those are the people that that went through physician assistants, but assistants physicians. Yeah, that's a different role. A different role. Okay. All right. But they're in statute right with us. So they're treated exactly the same. So like when you can have six people to collaborate with, it can be six APs. It could be six PAs. It could be six NPs or any mix of any of those to equal six. So they're equal to us in statute, but on this, they are not because they weren't in the federal statute that were matching. Um, And so we left them off and it stayed off because it was supposed to be matching the federal legislation. So that's where that one is. And, um, you know, hopefully when it goes to conference, we'll have strong enough people to get that silly language out because really it's unnecessary and putting more language in just means more language that has to be dealt with and pulled out some other time. So that's where we are with that one. Let's see, what else do we have going on? We got a bunch of stuff going on. So our licensure bills, we still don't have a license in Missouri. We're still in documents right, of recognition. Right, right. Now the military, that, that committee that I told you, seniors, um, military, all that kind of stuff, that committee wants us to have a license because that way military families, when they come in, they could have some kind of a compact thing where they could come in and the families that are here for just two years would get their license right away and would be able to start working right away. And so they were trying to make things comparative, but for that to happen, there has to be a license for nursing. And right now we have documents of recognition, which does not meet and fit the bill for that. Um, So they would like us to have one. The problem is, and with even with our licensure bills, you still won't see a scope of practice. And the reason we don't have a scope of practice in there, it's very vague. Remember when you look at our, our statute? Right. Yeah, it, it really is. Very vague. We don't follow the compact. Uh, we don't follow the consensus model. We don't have any of that. And the reason is, is that if there's any mention of scope of practice that includes diagnosis, the physicians will blackball it and shut it down. They do not think that nurse practitioners can diagnose. In fact, in testimony, they said, Nurse practitioners cannot diagnose medical diagnosis. They can only do nursing diagnosis. And I'm texting Heidi saying, Heidi testified that we can do medical diagnosis. And she said, no, 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 just wait, because it's a trick. <laughs> if we say we can medically diagnose then they're going to say they want us under the board of healing arts. Because oh, medical, they oh, want us under medical. Yeah. Well, how come when we, when we, see a patient and we put a diagnosis code and ICD-9 code in and we bill for that code and we get paid for that code, but we're not diagnosing. That's no. it, and that's what they say that we're, You're, we can't. Well, what are we doing? Well, if <laughs> you look at the collaborative, if you look at the collaborative practice agreement, it's, it, it tells you, it tells you that we only do self-limiting. Um, you really only are supposed to do self-limiting care. Nothing so new. Why and nothing new? Nothing new. Why yeah. are we billing for it? Why are we getting paid for it? Well, and that's an interesting thing because um, they want to maintain uh, incident to billing because partly because they get paid reimbursed 100% right. as opposed to the 85. Yeah. CMS wants to get rid of that. So I, I was just at the health policy conference in DC and they showed us the data that nurse practitioners actually on the very value-based care perform really high. We're at 89% for the, for the uh, mean, I think. And 
um, on the median, it's 96%. We're well performing and that's diagnosis and treatment. And that's hitting all those measurable outcomes that they look for, for the value-based care and incentive reimbursement. And so we are doing it. They just don't want to say that. And anytime we make any inclination to that, then they say, then you should be under the board of healing arts. So then we go into our whole talk about why we're a different field. We would still have to be under nursing because we are nurses first with a second on top of that. And you don't, you know, if you're under two boards, it increases the cost and the expense to the state that they don't know our education and training, so they can't really supervise and enforce things. So now they're suggesting that we have a joint board just for. Oh my gosh. They want a joint board for what now? What would they They want a joint board to agree on like management and treatment and where people can complain and things like that. That is just their suggestion. We just like say, oh, okay, we'll think about it. Um, But there's been a lot of issues going on between the Board of Nursing and the Board of Healing Arts, because remember I told you it's Now, this is just in Missouri. Just in Missouri. Yeah, just in Missouri. I clarify for our audience, this is just a problem in Missouri where these two boards are not communicating. Communicating. The doctors and the DOs are having issues with, um, or not all of them, but some of them are having issues with um, Mm -hmm. nurse practitioners having more, you know, more uh, independent practice. Yeah, right. And the the problem, we do have some physicians, some physicians from BJC called Mona and said, we want to testify on your behalf. We saw what happened during COVID and we need those people to be able to function that way still, and we can't. And so we do have a group of physicians that have called and asked us, what can we do and how can we support you? So that was really encouraging. But in the meantime, we have these crazy rules. And so we asked because in Missouri, our rules are jointly promulgated and it's jointly promulgated between the board of nursing, the board of healing arts. And if it's a pharmacy information, then the board of pharmacy is also included. Board of Pharmacy always goes with nursing. They always support us in, in the things that we ask for. But the Board of Healing, so so the Board of Nursing sent an, a letter to the Board of Healing Arts and said, we'd like to discuss the 75-mile rule because it's only in rules. And rules we can promulgate. And in, in statute, it just says geographic proximity. They did not respond. So they sent it again. No response. So then they went to the governor and he said, I don't really want to get involved in this right now. So then they went to the legislators, 23 representatives and senators wrote letters to the Board of Healing Arts, urging them to meet and discuss and negotiate with nursing. They still didn't respond. So then our legislation started moving forward and they saw that things are going to go away anyway. And so now there's going to be a joint meeting uh, from the Board of Nursing and the Board of Healing Arts on March the 21st and a second one on March the 28th that we can all listen to. So if you want a link to that, yes, I can yes. send you the link and you can that. listen in. Yeah, we'll, we'll all be in listen in. Pod. Yeah, we'll all be in listen in mode. And in the listen in mode, though, we can write ahead of time to the Board of Healing Arts and the Board of Nursing. And the Board of Nursing wants us anything we send to the Healing Arts to send to them so that they can say, we know that you got this letter. Um, but we can tell them our stance and what our feelings are, and they will represent us then. So they're soliciting letters for that right now. And if you're a Mona member, you got a solicitation letter yesterday in your email asking you to write about 
especially the 75 miles, because that was a randomly picked a number that was randomly changed at one point in time. And so one meeting is about the 75 mile thing. The other meeting is because the governor proposed that, okay, I get you guys aren't getting along and you're not talking. So the governor proposed that the 75 mile rule go away for anybody working in a correctional facility. And um, he said, I urge you to take this because I'm giving you a piece and then it, it will be a foot in the door and we can see where it goes. And so nursing um, was ready to take it. And the board of healing said, wait, we have to check. We don't want correctional facilities think that we're giving them subpar care. So they wanted to meet with the correctional facilities and then they're going to meet on the 28th to discuss that topic. So there's two meetings finally set up. Now, last time uh, Senator Burleson pulled everybody in his office, they said, we want them under the Board of Healing Arts. We want a stronger collaborative practice agreement. Um, and they, they named four things that were ridiculous. And we said, no, we can't, you know, nobody could agree on anything. So they said, okay, we'll wait till we have these meetings coming up. So there's a mediator that will be on those meetings. And um, I will send you the link as soon as we get yes, off of this so yes, that you can will. tell people how to we'll listen. have that link posted right uh, right in the podcast um, description yeah. so that anybody can listen in and see what these meetings, uh, what comes yeah. out of them. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. So the other thing. So those meetings like, are going to be trying to get rid of the 75 mile rule. Yeah, because yeah. it's just a rule. It's just a random number. Random rule. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the first one is specifically about the 75 miles and the physicians really don't want to give on that. And they really don't want to give on any of it. Because Why do you think they don't want to give? What is the underlying, what is it that, that they are worried about or your perception from all the negotiating? Cause you're so involved in hearing all of the arguments. Yeah, what is they, their biggest um, objection? They say we are not safe. And there is actually no data. So now the legislators have heard us say that and give them, we've given them multiple data and we've given them the CMS data. There's, and they say well, that we won't measures, go to we, we, we score high on the measures. Um, and then all the care, I mean, right. high, very high. 54, 54 years of data we've collected that shows that we perform equal or better on the things that we are trained to do. And so, yeah, they've had more education. They have the full breadth of medicine that they have to cover. We have this part in our specific scopes that we cover so we can do it in a shorter span of time and be very good at it. So diabetes, congestive failure, hypertension, we shine in those areas and we outperform them in those well, areas. Well, we really like to teach too. So teaching yeah. patients is what we've done ever since we were in nursing school. Right. Um, you know, like, one of the things I like to tell our students is in nursing school, all that first four years, like when we would have in, if we were going the medicine track, we would have been, you know, yeah. studying science, we're interacting with patients and learning right. how to teach so that those first yeah. four years of our education, we really do learn a lot about interacting with patients and, um, and assessing them and uh, doing physical exams on them and teaching them about their disease processes. And that, that never gets counted. Well, and Just we do all those hours after, but we have it from the first moment we enter school. Right. Yep. 
And there's all those hours and there's the practice where most of the time we're practicing full time while we go to school. Right. So it's not just the 750 hours that we get during right. our time or the are the thousand hours if you're a DMP. It's not just those. You have to look at the whole picture, but they say in your NP training, you, you only got this. So they, they don't think they don't they continue they don't to say all of those years and time where we learn diagnoses and medicines and, yeah. and physical assessment skills. But more importantly, we learned how to build a relationship with mm -hmm. our patients. And, right. and the more I learn, the more I hear, the more data I look at, it is that relationship, yes. being able to connect to your patient and not that the physicians can't, but we've had practice all through our nursing career right. on how to build that relationship of trust and collaboration with our patients. And um, that does a lot to help patients right. learn about their disease and help to manage their disease right. themselves. Yeah. And that's our and model. I think that's why we get that's our model. Practice. That's the nursing the model. It's a more holistic yep. approach. Yep. And I think that's why we get better outcomes is because of the teaching aspect. But also we're focused. I mean, we yeah. have, a, we have a certain age groups, we have certain things, yep. we know what our red flags are and when to refer. In states that have full practice authority, the physicians do not see as many patients, but they see the more complex ones. So they right. end up seeing fewer patients and making higher income because they're more complex. Well, and um, right. And they can, they can then focus on the things they love rather than doing, you know, and we can focus on the things that we love. So I just feel right. like there's, there's got to be space in this world for both of us. Right. Well, and there's a huge shortage. There's a huge shortage of primary care physicians, especially in rural. We have a lot of shortage still, and right. the numbers aren't getting better. They're getting worse. Um, so well, and I, people, I'm old uh, enough and you are too, to remember when DOs had this fight with MDs, it was the same DOs, kind of thing, different the model, model. Right. They had the, Normandy hospital was the only hospital that DOs could practice in because they couldn't practice in any, uh, they couldn't get privileges at any hospital because the, and the argument back then was a DO is not equivalent to an MD, but they bridged that gap. And now yeah. they see each other as equal. I see them as equal. And we're now fighting the same fight. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. So there's crazy stuff. And, and when we say now the legislators are starting to say, where's your data? Where'd you get that from? And the good thing is, is our data isn't just nursing data. The Institute of Medicine yes, is very yes. supportive and they are the ones who, who advise Congress and they well, are now the new should one. be allowed to practice to the full extent right. of our, and that was what, in 2010? Well, now the new one came out and one. that supports us even more. Yeah, there's a new I one. mean, so when the Institute of Medicine the Institute of Medicine says, hey, let nurse practitioners do what they do best and don't put barriers there. Um, you know, why all the pushback? I don't know, but it's not Is just it that. money. Is it money? Is it all boiled down to money? They get mad when we say turf battle. And we, we always, as nurses, we always circle back when they say, is this a turf battle? We say, we want accessible care for patients. For everybody. We want to provide care in all settings and all availability, not just rural, but urban that's underserved in HIPSA areas and things like that. But there's more than um, Institute of Medicine is the strongest one, but also American Enterprise Institute, the Heritage Foundation, Americans for Prosperities, everybody, um, 
uh, FTC, they all, all have data and that's not nursing influenced. So when they say nursing is just bringing out their data, it's everybody. It's the governor's association. It's everybody, everybody. Well, you can look at patient survey satisfaction forms too. Yeah. And actually, I mean, that's not influenced by, that's just their surveys. Yeah. They started saying that um, we should look at malpractice. So we did. We pulled all the data from our numbers, our identification numbers, where everything has to be logged. Well, guess what? They have four times more lawsuits. Um, so I, it just the whole thing is just mind boggling and crazy. The, the resistance that we get, and it's the same thing every time. Now, Kansas is about to roll to full practice. It's passed their Senate and moving to the House. It passed. Fully. So, are we going to be completely surrounded by states? Yes. Full practice? Yes. Yes. Kansas standing alone by itself, where nobody, you know, hey, we've got to restrict them and keep them in their place, right? But yeah. and all around listen. us, it's going to be full practice authority. Yeah. So, Kansas passed last week, and it should come for a vote in the Senate as soon as they get. I mean, the House wow. as soon as they get back from some break. And then Kentucky also last week passed the House, and now theirs is going to the Senate. So yes, we're going to be almost fully surrounded. And they see that, especially when they see that map with the red, green, yellow on it, and there's red right in the middle. Oh, I want you to give me that map so I can post that on our website. We need to make yeah. this. And, you know, our patients, too, they need to advocate for, uh, for nurse practitioners, right. too, with their legislators right. and, and let them know when they're happy uh, about the care we give and that they feel uh, that we give adequate care in our settings to, to practice in, in our scope of practice. So Right. There's a lot more data coming out, too, because, like, Mizzou, has that um, CMS grant, that um, demonstration oh, yeah. grant. So the nursing homes have been yeah. looking if when you put, because a nursing home cannot hire a nurse practitioner. You have to be hired by the physician and assigned to work there. But um, so when you have a nurse practitioner- That's just in, in Missouri. Home, yeah. Okay. Um, so when I you have a nurse- I keep bringing us back to that because I want our audience yeah. here. These are Missouri issues. But when you put a nurse practitioner in the nursing home, they get to know the patients better and they don't have as many rehospitalizations. They prevent complications. And so it saves the state a lot of money. And so they have that demonstration information that is tremendous because it's specific to Missouri, but also John Hopkins is putting out a lot of data that shows in, in states that went from um, limited scope of practice to full practice that the nurse practitioners truly do move to the rural areas when they don't have to be tied to where the physicians are. They actually do go back to where they live and work in the rural areas because they always say they'll never go back to the rural. Well, we have data now from John Hopkins that should be out next month, but they shared with, with us at the conference last week that shows that it went from 21% in rural to 31% in rural in, in Nebraska. They went from 20, 25 hipses to 20 hipses because of the shift of nurse practitioners. Wow. And so there's some really good data coming well, I mean, out. I loved working in rural health. And Margaret, as you know, I yeah. was there seven years. And I mean, I would have stayed there my whole life. I yeah. really, you know, but my commute was just getting to a point where I couldn't see at night and those roads were dark and I wasn't in a yeah. position I could move more rural because my son is in a high school and I didn't want to you know, change right. schools for him. Uh, yeah. But it, it really, um, 
it broke my heart because they, that was the, the best job I ever had the best patients. Yeah. They were so grateful. Um, I, and I can see why nurse practitioners are drawn to work in rural communities and Absolutely. we need more of them. We don't need legislation that restricts us from being able to serve some of the most needy people. Right. That, that right. They can find right. somebody who cares for them in their own town. And we need um, our patients to speak up and tell our legislators in Missouri that, yeah. you know, even though the lobbyists for the medical community and are, are, are strong, our voices have to be heard at some point to let nurse practitioners move to those areas and serve the people without so many restrictions. Yeah, the legislators are starting to see that the physicians block not just nurse practitioners, but they've testified against speech and hearing They've testified against physical therapy. They testified against dentists who wanted to be able to give vaccines. They've testified against dietrists. They've testified against everybody. So they're starting to see a trend and um, they're starting to get the idea. And they've actually been really very good about hearing our bills and moving them forward this time and things. There's a lot of other crazy things, but we're running kind of long. So yeah. um, do you want to know the other crazy things? Yeah, give me, give us a real quick run. This is real quick, um, real quick and dirty here. Um, Senator Under has 803 again. This is, remember, he's going to term out. So he's trying to get restraint of trade eliminated for all health professionals. It's not moving. It was assigned to committee, never heard. Um, Another thing that's a crazy thing, and this is for RNs primarily, but it's HB 2605, and this is from Kurt Gregory, put it in. It's now called the Supplemental Healthcare Services Bill, but initially they were calling it on the side the nurse gouging bill. And it is to stop um, people from uh, travel nursing because they thought travel nursing was capitalizing. And especially when you heard testimony, you kind of felt for them because they said in the nursing homes and in the home health places, um, they're reimbursed by Medicaid and Medicare. And so it's limited. We all know they don't reimburse well. And so they have a limited budget. And when they um, uh, have nurses coming in and suddenly go from making $23 an hour to making $65 an hour, they really, it's not sustainable. Um, but it turns out, you know, we told them in testimony, the nurses aren't getting that money. It's the agency that's getting that money. Mm -hmm. And the agencies weren't making sure they sent qualified people. So people were leaving in the middle of the shift or not showing up or not certified in CPR or saying terrible things to the patients. And so they want in statute somewhere where it's capping now. Mona got it removed that nursing capping of salary is not in there, but they can cap the amount that the agency can make. And the agency has to let the nurses know that it's hiring and it hires all levels that um, they have to pay their own taxes and they have to guarantee that they have CPR certification and meet the criteria and are able to give medications and the things they say they're supposed to do. And that um, hospitals can refuse to have certain people or, or agencies can refuse, yeah. refuse to have certain people come back. So that one's there. And, and really, I think we need to support our RNs because we want Absolutely. them to support us. I, um, I really believe yeah. that we need to support our RNs. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of health facilities, um, health, um, you know, big hospitals, um, big companies, and, you know, they just, they don't pay our nurses well. And it's sometimes not even about pay. It's about uh, safety. It's about, you know, the nurse patient ratio. And so, you know, maybe I'm hoping that we'll wake up 
um, um, some of the healthcare institutions to say, wow, we should pay our, our nurses better and yeah. we need to treat them better. You know, if anything that I hope that wakes up the situation. Yeah. Um, it's about respect and it's yes. about moral distress. Some of these people, it's more moral distress. They're being put in positions to do things that morally right. they know are wrong and they don't want to keep doing it, but they can't juggle all the balls. No. And so one of our complaints about this was, you know, you negotiate with your administrators are still making money here. Right. And you negotiate with the physicians, you negotiate and reimburse higher in rural because you, you have a shortage there. We've had shortage with the nursing forever. You negotiate what you reimburse for like procedures and things like that with the insurance companies. Negotiate with these companies and don't put it in statute. But I'm, right. um, I'm afraid it has moved out of. Oh, that's a shame. Um, yeah. But it at least it took out the nursing salaries. Thank goodness it needs yeah. to. Not, yeah, we do not need to cap our nurses. Yeah. But it you. is unsustainable. At the same it time, is. I can see where it's it unsustainable. Is. So something has to give. Something here. has you know? to change. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're going to have all tra- we're going to have all contracted travel nurses, you know, taking care of us. That's far. We're not going to have any and our hospitals. Not- we've already lost six hospitals because of because that's of true. these. And so because those six hospitals are gone, that's why they started doing all this rally thing. But people are just going to start going other places. Right. Um, oh. There are seven other states with this same legislation moving. Forward. Wow. Wow. So um, it's something. And then federally, that legislation is moving forward because so many hospitals and Actually, the smaller agencies and the more rural agencies, those are the ones who are hurting the most yes. from this. So that's one thing. Um, another thing, let's see, um, SB 1000, so, so Senate Bill 1000 by Senator Gannon and House Bill 1711, they match. And this is by um, Cindy Bucart, uh, I think her new name's Courtway. But so those two have the legislation going forward for surgical smoke. Um, I did not realize, and I had never heard of it before, but there's um, surgical smoke when you are doing electrocautery or you are doing laser and you're doing like cancerous or toxic things that goes in the air. And the people who are working those ORs, even with the masks on, they're ending up with a lot of upper respiratory cancer that's killing them. Oh, oh wow. I didn't realize that. Never heard it before. But this t- oh. we learned a lot about it by these guys. And so they want a plume, a, like a cover thing that does surgical smoke removal in any urgent care or hospital that is using any electrocautery or laser or anything that burns these. Because it's physician, it's the physicians that were doing a lot of surgical things on cancer that really have upper respiratory and throat yes, oral cancer. Yeah, where that would happen. Isn't that interesting? So neither one of those are really moving right now, but I'm sure we will bring it back next year because people just don't know about it. Yeah, Past no, day, I want to I want to know more about that. That's really interesting. Yeah. It wouldn't move forward and go into effect until 1 1 2024 because it will take time to get the equipment and budget for it and all that yeah, kind but of it, stuff. Yeah, but that's a worthy, you know. Yeah, I never would have even thought about that. I know we didn't either. And so we had a big presentation on it to our committee before we thought about getting on board. And then we're all like, absolutely, we need to get on board with this. So that's a nursing kind of health kind of thing that we're um, backing and supporting. But right now, I think it's been assigned to the committee in the Senate, but it's also still not moving. So that's something to keep an eye on for the future. Um, other page, other things, HB 2116, no patients left behind. 
um, are left alone, actually. And, and it's so that you can have your spouse or your, um, oh, what do you call it, your guardian, and then three additional people. And the, the thing that was amended onto that bill, because there were so many people dying alone and complaining to their legislators that I'm not sure my mother's wishes were carried out because I wasn't there to fight for him and all that kind of stuff. So there was actually very compelling testimony on this. And then um, what they at, amended on was that physicians could modify that all those people be accessible depending on what's going on with the patient and in the situation in the hospital. So that was actually a good amendment. Yeah. One really crazy thing that I wanna tell you about before, um, before I let you go is that there's AP legislation, assistant physician legislation, and it's SB 938. And it was had a hearing last week and none of us really um, complained about it right now. And we're thinking it's the PAs that have to go forward with um, doing whatever they wanna do with it. Because what this legislation says is that all assistant physicians can only be assistant physicians for three years. And after three years, if they don't have a place where they match to do their internship, they will be licensed as PAs. <laughs> Is that possible? What? I don't know. Ah, wait a minute. But the reason none of us stood up against it is because in that legislation, it also says you have to be an AP educated in a medical school in North America. So we have 330 um APs in our state right now. And there are two other states that are looking at AP options. By putting that North America in, out of those 330, there's only two of them in there that are from Missouri. So we didn't contest it because it would get rid of most of those PAs. But I think really truly the PAs have to speak up yeah. and say, yeah. they didn't have our training. They no. didn't take our boards. They can't be educated, but they realize they're all under the Board of Healing Arts. So the Board of Healing Arts thinks they can do that. Just do that. I uh, that I can see wow. them. I can see so that's where they went with that. Different track of training, isn't that crazy? Wow. And then there's four federal legislation things that are moving forward federally. So this is everybody, not just Missouri, and it's HR 1956 and Senate Bill 1986. It's for cardiopulmonary rehabilitation. And what happened is that we got the ability to do supervision, but not order it. So this would make the fix so that we could order and supervise it. It actually doesn't go into place until 2024. Um, but we think that this one, it's, it's, no, it's got no budget associated with it. So it's like a no brainer. So that's one thing. Another thing is HR 4870 and Senate Bill 800, that's to promote Diabetic shoes. Yet again, again. diabetic shoes. So we now, can if you're sign in, that order. <laughs> if you're in one of the, uh, there's a trick to that though, but if you're in one of the states or if you're in one of the organizations that is doing one of the CMS demonstration projects, you do have the ability to order everything, um, including diabetic shoes. And so they're kind of watching to see if it really has the impact that the cost that they say affiliated with it was. But do you know, when you have to send the person to your collaborating physician to sign for the diabetic shoes, it means that the physician has to take over care of that patient. Oh, oh. did you realize that? Wow. So none of us were doing that, but that is what the statute says, that they have to take over care, see that patient, and then take over care until they delegate it back to us. 
So you actually lose your patients by doing that, even though wow. you may have been the provider that they now, never can seen. podiatrists order diabetic shoes? I don't think they can. I mean, I'm just thinking, my goodness, you know, yeah. anybody who would be trained to order diabetic shoes, it would be yeah. podiatry. This was an oversight that happened when the Affordable Care Act, and if you remember, the Affordable Care Act was 800 pages long. And so in, when they were striking things, when, remember at the end when they said some states don't have to do it and other states and you can expand or you can use our uh, agencies and things like that. When they were striking, it was mistakenly struck and it has been trying to get it put back in ever since. But because it was part of the Affordable Care Act, there's always resistance. Plus, for some reason, they said there's a fiscal note on it because there's more people ordering. And so even people that say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, there's a fiscal note. And then they don't vote for it. So it never gets very far. But so we bring that back every year. I personally think the shoes are ugly and you could buy better shoes just by getting good shoes someplace else. But <laughs> free to the patient if we order them. So they want them. And here's the other interesting thing. One pair, um, if, if you deny them diabetic shoes, you could give them two pairs of diabetic shoes every year for nine years. And it would equal the cost of the lesion and the care that you require for an ulcer on the foot. So wow. really it should be saving the money, but they don't look at that part. Okay. So that's the second one. The third one is HR 6087. This is for improving access to workers comp, because right now, if you're injured on the job and you are a federal worker, you cannot see a nurse practitioner. A nurse practitioner can provide your care, but cannot extend workers comp and certify workers comp. And so since most nurse practitioners work in work comp areas, they want to extend that so nurse practitioners can sign for that. And that should actually be one that goes through easily. Um, but that's one that's new on our hit list. And the last one is HR 6308. It does not have a matching Senate bill. It's for ACO Assignment Improvement Act. And it's because we can have patients that are in an ACO, but we cannot get benefit and our patients don't get the benefit of the Medicaid shared savings program. So they don't get the discounts that the physicians patients get. They have to see a physician at least once a year. So in states where there's full practice authority and you don't have to see a physician at all, or you don't have a collaborative physician, they get penalized for being in those states and seeing a nurse practitioner. <laughs> so this was just to balance the playing field. And CMS seems willing to push this forward. Somehow it just never gets on the cut because crazy things like wars and COVID come yeah. up. And yeah, and wars and COVID. Right. Yeah, kind of crazy things. So anyway, I think that's pretty much. That's a pretty um, full agenda. Yeah, there's well, a lot of stuff going on. here is to try to get some of those waivers back. Yes. Uh, we had get the 75 mile rule rescinded uh, out the door. And um, if we get anything else, it's a bonus, right? Yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, although I think we will get home health. And I think we will get the ability to do telehealth, which would really be good for all of us yes. here in metropolitan areas. Yes. Margaret, you are an Thank you, Margaret. Asset. It's nice talking to you guys. You are a nurse practitioner who is changing practice. practice. And yeah. um, if there's any other people out there, any other nurse practitioners who are changing practice or students, um, please join us and uh, listen to our podcast, support us so that we can keep bringing you these um, important information. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.